0: and welcome to the Let's Talk podcast. This is your host Susie Lewis speaking from Toulouse and in this episode of Let's Talk we will be discussing the role of inclusion and diversity in the future of work and what that means for organisations moving forward. Today I am delighted to welcome Amina Folaran, the Global People Director of Oliver Agency and a seasoned HR professional and a professional coach. Amina welcome to the show. Thanks for having
1: me Susie. It's a
0: pleasure. Amina, we met in the coaching space and we're both on a quest, I think, to introduce a more collaborative and inclusive culture in organisations, as well as more equality and respect. You have recently been made CIO, that's Chief Inclusion Officer, so congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's a key role for the future of work and for the future of organisations, especially in a more interconnected and networked world for me. So I know We're both women of action, so to speak, and I would love to hear how you envisage your role as Chief Inclusion Officer and what your first action will be in that space.
1: Well, I think kind of my actions within the Chief Inclusion Officer role is really to help put inclusion at the heart of our business strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it has the real opportunity to provide business transformation. A lot of companies are quite rightly focusing on the diversity agenda, Mm. but I think you can't single-handedly because you can hit all of the top you know businesses have been focusing on diversity for years and yes. let's face it a lot of those companies still look the same yeah so absolutely. Something me, we may be doing something wrong so I'm you know my first kind of thing that I'm doing really is to put our people at the heart of these conversations and understand from them what does an inclusive culture look like mm. what you know what do you want from your business leaders what do you want from you know the company that you're going to grow and develop your careers Hmm. and I think it's great
0: that inclusion has a seat at the executive table of of Oliver Agency and that it's put up there with the other strategic levers like you say for business success so do you see a change in the way leaders are viewing inclusion so both within the HR function and within the business
1: absolutely I think you know it's it's a challenge I think Hmm. that a lot of Businesses don't know how to approach it and I think also it's a field that's evolving and we're constantly learning you know yeah. even though I'm in this role and think I might know a thing or two about a thing <laughs> or two. my team I learn something new every day from my team language that was maybe acceptable last year that perhaps we're looking at differently this year constantly challenging ourselves to say right if we take this action there mm. who feels excluded by that action so I think it's good that you know inclusion has that voice now and I hope that momentum continues and that it doesn't die off and I think you know you've got two camps of leaders still you've got those that are doing you know inclusion and diversity or diversity and inclusion depending on which way they look at it because Mm. they know they have to and the one that you know to be seen to be ticking the right boxes Mm. and actually I think their strategies will fail because they'll have high staff turnover etc cetera, etc cetera. and then you know the businesses that are doing it because they really believe in it mm-hmm. and they know it's the right thing to do
0: and i'm hearing that and i agree with those two different sort of groups of leaders one group that thinks it's a hr subject and they have to do it and others that are linking it to their strategic business objectives what are the main challenges you see in this new role of driving inclusion on the strategic agenda as opposed to the compliance agenda
1: I think it is it's understanding and really taking the time to understand because, you know, you can be really gung ho about these things. And in that process, exclude people that you don't want excluded. And I think actually one of the biggest challenges we're seeing is, you know, white middle aged men actually feel massively under threat by the inclusion and diversity agenda. And actually, they really pay, play a really critical part in the success of a lot of these programmes. So how do we make sure we're taking the time to understand why they feel threatened, what they might feel threatened about, you know, and, and how we can kind of engage with them to show them that inclusion doesn't have to lead to exclusion. It can be, there's, there's, there's enough space for everyone, but how are we accessing everyone and making them feel that they can belong in our organization
0: mm. And it's back to that definition of, you know, an inclusive environment is what the employees say it is, so i.e. when they feel included and not excluded. So how do you, for me, you're essentially talking about allyship when you talk about bringing everyone on board. How do you go about setting that up so that they feel included and that they become allies of essentially what you're trying to create in terms of uh, an inclusive culture?
1: I think you have to include them in the discussion. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And you know, help them understand what's in it for them. Mm. And also really what are they experiencing right now? You know, what what challenges might be facing men in general, not just, you know, white middle-aged men. You know, yeah. what yeah. men in general face. You know, if your average, you know, what's the average age of your your male demographic in the workplace. Mm. You know, we know there are higher suicide rates up to, you know, up to the age of about 45 are mm. we you know making sure we're creating safe spaces for them to talk are our policies you know are your parental leave policies actually you know do they encourage fathers to take mm. time off with their children or are you just following the status quo and doing you know two weeks statutory that's not going to encourage men to spend time at home with their um, children are we just increasing pressures unwittingly. Mm. so to engage them in the conversation we have to understand. What are the challenges, and that's the whole point around inclusion. It's taking your employee demographics bit by bit and working. You know, what does this community, and that's where the whole equity piece comes in as well. What does this community of people need from us? How can we make it more equitable? What are the barriers to them being included in our workforce, and start hacking that and breaking that down? Um, And that can be, you know, the same rule can be applied for men, for white, for white men, you know, for women understanding what are their specific challenges and looking at breaking those down in your business
0: yeah and and creating belonging as opposed to sort of the fitting in discussion and how do you see the effect of the covid pandemic on that in terms of driving inclusion because what i hear you say is you're driving it through your system so you're making it systemic having inclusive processes and having that reaction within the culture to Have those conversations to allow it to be more inclusive with everybody remote working and lockdown and everything else what what have you seen as as the effects on inclusion
1: well i think interestingly you know for a lot of companies they probably took diversity actually we go back to diversity Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion there for a lot of businesses probably came off the table last year and it it was you know let's face it it was the kind of real wake-up call once george floyd got murdered that people were starting to think oh hold on a minute, we've probably got a bit of a problem here. We we best put this back on the table. And, you know, even if you're not in the US, in the UK, people were marching and protesting at a time where actually for Black and Asian people, they were more at risk of dying from COVID, but they still Mm -hmm. felt the need to actually take a stand. So I think last year was a huge wake-up call for a lot of businesses. And the remote working element of it meant that we were all together, we were all, you know, we were all actually in the same boat for organisations like that. As you know, you have head offices, satellite offices. You know, communication was sometimes strained because there was often the impression that something was happening in one location that wasn't happening in another. But mm. suddenly we were all in the same boat. What I would mm. say about, you know, the pandemic is the boats were very different sizes for, yeah. for a lot of people. So that was the piece, again, going back to inclusion, is understanding that just because we were all remote working, the impact of remote working was not the same for everyone and, and, you know, and still isn't. So just cause it worked for, you know, that mom that suddenly lost three hours out of her commute, mm-hmm. you know, what about that person that one bedroom flat with their partner and suddenly they're both working from home without any equipment to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think that remote working actually helped because we were suddenly all in the same situation. But again, you had to start going through and understanding what are the impacts of this on our various different employee segments?
0: So, so I think it I agree with you. It sort of levelled the playing field on one side. And then on the other side, you know, that there are differences that we need to take into account. I'm a big believer in terms of inclusion and diversity within communities and organisations in looking at what we all have in common before we look at how we can use difference as, as a positive lever. What's your thoughts on that?
1: I think it's, yeah. yeah. First and foremost, we're all human, and we all want to belong somewhere, don't we? Yeah, so, <laughs> we, yeah. we do. That's the right. and so I think business leaders need to kind of find their secret source to help their people mm. feel like they can belong with them. Mm. And you know, to do that, they have to feel that they their voices are heard in whichever way you know mm. businesses choose to do that. I think surfacing the employee voice is really important. And mm. you know, from the lens. my my HR role that's something that I've always tried to instill in my teams is that you know historically the role of the HR manager came about to represent the voice of the people to you know the management teams Mm. and I think the last kind of you know as the world of work has changed I think HR's fight to be at that top table not always but sometimes Mm. forgets actually our history which was you know for the people so how do we make sure that we're bringing those elements of the people-centric, people-first nature, you know, back into the organisation and you know back up to that top table, while still delivering commercial value for mm. the business.
0: Mm. Absolutely. Uh, can you can you give us a couple of examples of things that you've done in terms of people strategy to try and address that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we have multiple employee resource groups, which I which mm. are excellent actually. Mm. You get a group of employees around a common cause that they're really passionate about, yeah. and they can, they can drive serious change. Yeah, and it takes great. a lot of pressure. Yeah, HR teams because yeah. like we've got the wellbeing one at the moment, and rather than us sitting in a room trying to brainstorm what our employees might want for their well-being, we've just been able to ask them. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, what do you guys think? What What's missing <laughs> from our strategy? Yeah. You tell us. You need, and suddenly it's like, why didn't we think of that sooner? So, our employee resource groups are excellent for us, and we've got kind of two expansions of that that work really well in our business. We have our ambassador network, again, given most of our employees are not head office space. They're on site with our client. Mm-hmm. All of our um, teams have what we call our ambassadors. These are people that have put themselves forward to represent their, their teams. And they come, they meet on a monthly basis and discuss, you know, things that are working well in the business. Maybe comms that they saw that they really liked or new initiatives. Also things that are not working well, whether it's, you know, IT, the expenses policy, the format of the company meetings and the CEOs at every single one of those meetings. Wow, that's so fantastic. So connected to the people mm. via her ambassador network, she always understands what's going mm. on in our business. So I think that was really and continue it just continues to evolve and get better at actually, they're a really core part of our people strategy in the two-way communication. And also it takes a lot of pressure off the line managers. Line managers are asked to do so much these days. You know, I don't know how they actually get time to do the jobs that they're they're hired for so actually having these ambassadors that are helping you know give the communication back into the teams it's just one less thing for them to do so our ambassador network works really well and then um more recently in the wake of kind of really wanting to drive cultural change around inclusion and diversity we set up what's called a change maker network so again okay. we went out to our business and said right if you've been inspired by you know anything that we've put out in the company meetings our desire to be an anti-racist organization our desire to put inclusion and diversity at the heart of what we do let us know we're looking for volunteers and we we had over 45 people globally that said yeah I'm up for that what what do you want from us we want to be a part of this change we want to you know help um, help contribute to that and then again we put them through a training program so that they could really understand not only the issues that might be impacting them, but issues that impact the LGBTQ plus community, the uh, issues that impact their Black community, Jewish community, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, really taking them on that journey. But we mm. also have a change board. So some of those change makers are kind of more in inverted commas senior, and this board meets with our global leadership team, since it's our c-suite once a quarter to actually hold them to account for the commitments that they've made to the company around inclusion and diversity so we had our first meeting last week it was really interesting because you've got people of all ages all levels within our organization effectively calling out the leadership team and saying okay so how are you going to do this and when are you going to do this and you know what what's your commitment how often are you going to meet us to report back Mm. let's have a look at your current data it was you know it was it was fascinating and really inspiring that they felt so empowered to to do that and i hope that we could you know that work continues so i guess they're the the two strategies that we've deployed and they work well for us
0: excellent thank you for sharing that and i'm just i think it's it's Fabulous as well that the global leadership team actually take that on and, and have that dialogue. Which brings me to our next question around how do you measure or how are you going to measure inclusion in the organization? Because I think we get a lot of people saying, oh, we measure inclusion and they actually measure diversity statistics in terms of a HR dashboard, which is already good because it gives an, an insight, a data insight into what's happening in the organization. But how do you think you're going to measure inclusion?
1: We use a um, employee engagement survey tool called PCOM and okay. it asks questions around, you know, is this an organisation that you think takes inclusion seriously? Do you feel included? If not, why not? Give us examples. So there's questions that we can get qualitative data mm-hmm. from an um, engagement survey. But also you can look at data points like your employee turnover, for yeah. example and start segmenting that data. So you look at your leavers and say, okay, our leavers generally leave at 24 months, but what do those leavers look like? Is it all of mm. our new starters? Is it all of our black employees? Mm. Is it all of our non-black employees, people from other ethnic denomination? Who's leaving and how how quickly are they leaving? What are your promotion rates? You know, mm. if you've got, if 25% of your business is are people of colour, yeah. what are they put? Do they get promoted at the same rate as your white employees? Mm. And how, and if they don't, then you've got, you know, then obviously you've got a problem there you need to look at perhaps why that's not, you know, why that's happening. So we use data points like that to start measuring our inclusion to understand, well, you know, are people leaving, you know, for example, are our black employees leaving faster than our white employees mm. because actually they feel like this is truly a place and they can grow their career and therefore they don't feel included in the journey to be, be with us. Mm. And that's something you need to work on. Yeah. And is that
0: data that is accessible for everyone or how does that work?
1: The data is accessible for all of the leadership teams, and the Mm -hmm. diversity and inclusion team, HR teams, and also our change board and we're aware of it. So it's pretty transparent, to be honest. I think, you know, there's no point, particularly in a subject like this, that I don't think there's any point in hiding behind it. We are where (laughs) we are. Absolutely. There's no point in me getting up and saying to everyone, oh, you know, we're... 45% of our, you know, senior leadership team are people of colour. And then every meeting you go into, it's not like that. But (laughs) it's much more meaningful if you say, actually, we're here today, but we're going to get to here by the end of 2025. And -hmm. here are the steps that we're going to take. People are much more forgiving if they can show willing and you're updating on your progress in that space.
0: Yeah. What would be your advice for leaders wanting to place inclusion on their strategic agenda?
1: I think they need to ask themselves why they're doing it.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and if they're really committed, because you know what? It's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and That's for someone that does it. And you know, it's not my full-time job, but it's really difficult. And, but in a good way, but it can be quite, in my, and there's some tough decisions that sometimes have to be made, some uncomfortable decisions, you yeah. know? So they have to really ask themselves why they want to do it and are they prepared to go on that journey? Mm. And also to take I would say not take not put it onto you know your HR director or your, your inclusion and diversity lead or whatever the various roles are to educate you take yes. the time to take yourself on some of the issues that your people might be facing and once you've got an understanding of it then it's easy for you to be a true champion and ally and be like okay I get this now I might not have all the answers but now I can bring in you know the experts to, to help me on that journey
0: Mm. and you know I love the fact around the accountability for your own personal journey as a leader you know it's it's not something that you just train on in a day and you know find the answers so I think it's really interesting around the holding courageous conversations and and the fact that a leader needs to be in a different leadership style almost to to deal with a more inclusive environment how do you see your leaders shifting towards that and and do the L&D department sort of support them in that?
1: I think that our leaders are actually taking the time to do some education for themselves. I think mm. they've realised and, and just done a bit of soul searching, actually. One of our CEOs, we were on a call today and asked him what he's going to challenge for International Women's Day. And he's got mm. three daughters, and he's like, I've just been too complacent. You know, so I just thought, I don't see colour, I don't see gender, and I've just been getting on with my life. And he, you know, he's quite honest to say that that was just the wrong attitude to take and he has to be more active in his approach. So I think really just leaders, even if they, they don't want to read anything or, you know, watch a YouTube video, just doing that soul searching and trying to understand their bias and maybe the impacts of, you know, their behaviour on their teams. I think really what all leaders really need now, particularly in a more inclusive world, is higher levels of empathy and understanding. Yes. Because I think if you can be... Em- you don't have to have walked a day in my shoes you know you if you're yeah you know and from southeast london i'm a black woman from the midlands we're not gonna have had the same journey well, you can be empathetic and listen to my experiences and likewise i can do the same And i think when we can make those connections mm. it, again it helps lead to more inclusive workplaces
0: yeah absolutely and i think You know, time is running, so I'll I'll ask my last question. If you put your Global HR People Director hat on and your Chief Inclusion Officer hat on and your Amina hat on, what would be your last call (laughs) to action for our listeners and organisations looking to understand how to start that journey?
1: I would say listen to your people. Put your people, you know, ask them what they need from you. Don't, you know, don't assume that you have the answers. You know, Mm. Yeah don't assume that you have the answers ask your people for the answers and i think that is really a great starting point education
0: hmm. education understanding your assumptions and going on your own personal journey if what i've heard is yeah.
1: okay well thank you thank you amina
0: for coming and sharing your insight and your experience with us where can where can people find out more about you and what you do
1: i'm on linkedin so if people want to connect with me it's amina falarin or you can email me if you want to chat amina falarin at oliver.agency
0: excellent We hope you enjoyed this episode and if so please head over to itunes and give us your review and your opinion so it's bye from me for now and see you soon for the next episode of let's talk